0: This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. I think a preliminary uh, podcast, but welcome everyone to the Dynasty Download. I'm Tom Duncan. <laughs>
1: And I am your 2018 champion, Ethan Hamilton.
0: Oh, God.
1: You liked that, didn't you?
0: Uh, Already, (laughs) already plunging into the depths. So uh, we're four episodes in. Um, We sat and did like four hours of content the other day. So how does it feel to uh, get the first several in the bag, you know, coming back? And now we're actually up and live and uh, allowing for people to see all of our uh, great advice.
1: (laughs) I'm excited. It was fun. I'm ready to get into episode. What is it? Five, four. Yeah,
0: essentially. I mean, it part or episode two, or basically the big one was like a three parter, but you know, that that's all good. And we kind of stroked our egos a little bit and kind of (laughs) got into the minutia of the league, but, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, one of those things and, uh, we'll probably continue on from there. So, um, If uh, anybody is looking to comment on us, we'll kind of let you know how to get in contact with the show at the end of the uh, podcast here. Um, Just a quick uh, reminder to rate, subscribe, and review. Help everybody else find the podcast so that uh, uh, we can get um, everybody in on the fun and the action here. Um, Hopefully at some point um, one of our uh, other players will be willing to co-host with us. Um, just so we can give them, uh, the right ribbing that they deserve. Um, so, uh, with, uh, that, this is our free agency, um, review. So, uh, here in quarantine 2020, um, which seems to be like, uh, how the entire year is going to be defined, um, at least until we have a vaccine and we can kind of come back to normal life, um... The only thing for sports that's been going on for basically the last month uh, has been the NFL offseason, and that's how it's going to end up continuing for the next several weeks. I'm already seeing all the draft articles and everything else. Uh, Apparently, um, there were like six different teams, including the Packers, that were going to talk to Jordan Love, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, The uh, Utah State quarterback that has uh, the potential to go in the top ten Uh, If not, I would say he's not getting out of round one. There's no way. No, no. He's round one talent for sure. How he and some of the other quarterbacks go like Justin Herbert and um, uh, Tua may end up defining how the draft kind of shakes out. And um, one of the trades we're going to end up talking about does actually shape up the draft. Um, So one of the. Uh, ones off the top. I think that you and I had talked about a couple of weeks back. It was like the first or second day. It was actually the second trade of that day, but I think it might have uh, at least more fantasy significance um, on uh, a potential player and where they end up um, and how good their prospect value would be is uh, actually a defensive player being traded. So DeForest Buckner moving over to the Colts, And then the Niners, in a pretty good offense with that Kyle Shanahan version, no longer having Emmanuel Sanders, who we'll talk about later, um, having now pick 13 right in that sweet spot where you're looking at some of those first set of wide receivers. Um, Jerry Judy's in that range. Um, I'm trying to think who are the— You can get a C.D. Lamb Uh, there, too, I think. Who is that? I said you can
1: get a C.D. Lamb there, too, I think.
0: Yep. Yep. So any of those would be potential options. Um, to add as the eventual number one receiver or maybe even just number two behind Debo Samuel um, kind of moving forward for the Niners who have not signed anybody to complement that. Um, They did end up um, giving a large uh, extension to Eric Armstead. um, Now that they uh, jettisoned Buckner, I do think the middle of their defensive line is weaker as a result. And so their internal pocket pressure is not going to be as much. Um, I don't know if they're, um, front seven is f- as formidable as it was last year, and that was kind of the heart of their defense, but we, we can circle back around to that. So, um, which position group would you like to start with? Um, should we just go right for the star-centric quarterbacks or uh, move to something else? Sure, we can get into the
1: quarterbacks right away. Um, they're the prima right. types. They should be ta- talked about first, right? So,
0: if we're going to talk about quarterbacks because they're, you know, the prima donnas and, you know, the star prime, the uh, uh, thing that's going to set the tone for the rest of the episode, we might as well get the big one out of the way. TB12, still TB12 as of yesterday. Yeah, God yeah. went giving up his number. Uh, moving over to Tampa Bay. Um, Initial thoughts,
1: first and foremost, me directly. I know everyone was Jumping up and down about this. Um, I don't think it helps Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. That so was, that was my first initial thought helps the football team overall, but dynasty purposes. I don't think it helps them as much as a lot of other people think, but I'll get into that a little bit later
0: there's talk about I think he signed what a two-year deal is is that roughly I think right? it's
1: a three-year I think it was a three-year right. year deal
0: there had been talk about basically Brady playing out because he's 43 now and he's talked till playing till 45 that he'd play out the next two years and then he and Arians would both retire again um and kind of ride off so in the initial value um here's what I'll say I don't think that it makes Godwin or Evans any better than they were last year, but since they were already both top ten prospects and both one or wide receiver ones um, coming out of the same offense, it means even if they're neutral, they're still high prospects. Now, their long term value, I don't know. And if they have another huge year, and they uh, in an Arians offense where he could potentially retire, but whatever else. I may consider after another big year of uh, seeing if I can maximize the peak value, but um, for right now, they're a high asset and, you know, one of the, the peaking uh, areas. I am that whole NFC South has kind of been shaken up in a lot of different ways. Uh, One of the other quarterbacks on this list was uh, Teddy Bridgewater moving over from uh, New Orleans to the Panthers, which has some other shakeups and, uh, we can address that one next. But um, I, I think that division is highly competitive. Um, the Panthers have, you know, have a new coach, and they're going to want to apparently overhaul the roster. And they haven't really committed a lot to Teddy Bridgewater. Frankly, um, I think they committed only like $21 million for this year, and they have the ability to cut him without uh, having any guarantees or cap hits. So um, basically they're playing at a medium-level starter um, going forward, but um, Brady possibly not having 30 interceptions like Jameis, or even having you know 30 plus touchdowns, that makes that team that much more effective. And if their defense, who has a really good front seven, um, has uh, less opportunities where they're working with short fields, I gotta imagine that they're going to be more competitive. Uh, can they completely uh, beat out the Saints? Do the Falcons rebound? Because uh, they lost some talent, although they did replace it, and we'll get to a couple of those uh, spots later. But uh, I do think that this is a competitive division, and I also do think New Orleans kind of comes back to the pack a little bit. Tampa Bay is being seen as a huge um, Super Bowl favorite even, and I'm not sure that's warranted yet, but you know, their offense is clearly going to be good.
1: I'm not as high and Tom Brady as everyone else typically is either. I just see it as there's going to be, I mean, I don't think it's going to affect Chris Godwin as much as I think it's going to affect Mike Evans. Um, Cause Chris Godwin still plays in the slot a whole heck of a lot more. And that's where Tom Brady makes a lot of his money. Um, I just, yeah. Jameis threw 30 interceptions last year. Um, and yeah, a lot of his points were in garbage time, but that none of that matters in dynasty. It's all about points. Um, Jameis put up a lot of points and uh, he helped them put up a lot of points too. I don't think they're going to be like wide receiver twos or threes or anything like that. I just think um, from here on out, especially in the future, their outlook is not as bright as it used to be um, this time last year.
0: Uh, For the long-term curve, sure. But then again, how much can you really project beyond two to three years anyway for Dynasty? Like, Guys can have big knee injuries, running backs get hurt, or they age really quickly just on the carries. I mean, two years ago, we would have thought Todd Gurley would have been one of the top backs in the league. I mean, he was coming off of basically an MVP-like season, and two years later, he's kind of a um, 50-50 carry split in that Atlanta backfield, another one we're going to get to later. Um, I I just... you plan for the here and now and make it as advantageous and set yourself up for the best possibilities. But I mean, who knows? Uh, Tom Brady even playing uh, predominantly well at 43 or at least not like he's completely dropped off a cliff yet. Right. You know, is defying things and Drew Brees hitting 41 before the season starts and still being at least moderately good. You know, those are defying the ages a bit.
1: It'll be interesting to see. Um you know, Tom Brady out of his element learning a new offense. Um it'll just be interesting to see.
0: I mean, I'm I am with you that um you know, uh having a a younger long-term quarterback would have made me a little bit more comfortable holding on to the asset, but that also means that um you might be more comfortable moving the asset at a different point. So, um, next one up on the list is Dak Prescott just receiving his extension from Dallas pretty much just, and I will kind of just, um, briefly then visit on, uh, Amari Cooper going back as well. Um, basically everybody kind of assumed this was what was going to happen and it kind of locks down that whole offense for, um, kind of a pass happy coach coming in and Mike McCarthy, the former Packer coach, um, running a lot of. Uh, three or, I guess, 11 personnel, three wide receiver sets. Um, So Zeke single back with maybe a one tight end look and then um, with uh, Gallup and Cooper running out of, you know, basically anywhere. Um, That being said, um, Dak coming back and having such a pass-heavy year, uh, Zeke didn't really see any drop-off. Gallup did step up. It's whether or not everybody stays healthy, but um, Dak is possibly a top five quarterback at his peak. I think he's still a quarterback one, um, even at his worst. I think his floor is a little bit higher, like with all of the running quarterbacks, um, and he's remarkably stayed relatively healthy for most of his time so far. Um, I that's a lot of money (laughs) but well yeah i i
1: I feel like that's really the only option that dallas had too i mean you gotta you gotta sign your guy and it's a quarterback league and um you want to keep everything the same everyone is young too so you kind of just want to see where it goes and jerry you know he's he's going with what worked in the 90s having that quarterback that wide receiver and that running back and
0: um well i do think it's a larger discussion like The league is clearly trending toward more mobile quarterbacks as we get um, longer, faster, and um, stronger defensive linemen. And they're sending more variable outside linebacker blitz packages and the rest of it. You're going to need a guy who can um, play off balance and isn't necessarily always playing from the pocket. It's great when you can play from the pocket and you can't have like uh, old-style Michael Vick that almost exclusively could not play from the pocket. But mm-hmm. if you have a guy that can extend the play, that's where the league is going. But that being said, the years of uh, Brady and Breeze being in it, or even Manning being exclusively uh, pocket quarterbacks and just standing back there like a statue, uh, but being there for 20 years, now you're looking at maybe a 10- uh, to 12-year window instead of 20 years, like Cam Newton has kind of gotten... Um, with how many hits they're taking by comparison.
1: I would agree with that. I mean, so there's not really do, too much to add to it.
0: Well, I mean, it may or may not at some point reset the quarterback market. And I'm still waiting for somebody, you know, who has the right set of balls to really um, kind of hammer home that uh, the quarterback market needs to be reset. Like why the hell is Ryan Tannehill getting the same amount of money as Uh, Tom Brady. And why is a 43 year old quarterback getting $30 million? Yeah. That's the going rate for a quarterback, but like, seriously, like when you can invest that in other areas of your team, um, where is the replacement value on that? Like, I I don't know why the quarterback versus running back versus receiver uh, markets are so disparaging. It it doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) And that's what I mean, like the GM that actually has the balls to basically say um, or stand up to some like if you would have had Joe Flacco after he won the Super Bowl and would have said, we're not paying you above X, you know, kind of how baseball uh, refitted itself with its contracts, Um, you know, Bryce Harper leaves and then the Nationals win the World Series, that type of thing somebody's going to eventually have to do that to reset the market or these quarterback contracts are going to get ridiculous.
1: It's going to get to the point. Yeah. Where you, you're going to be just having scraps to play with next to you, but.
0: Well, and I understand the point of everybody keep talking about, um, the fact that the cap goes up and then if you front load the deal, you're basically only hamstringing yourself for that year. But even so, like it just doesn't make sense when you can, uh, from the rest of the players' perspective, levy out the money in other areas where guys are taking bigger risks. Like, the quarterbacks are taking the fewest hits of probably anybody on the field. So, I understand them being the CEO and the face of the franchise type of thing, but, like, seriously, other than Peyton Manning doing commercials for literally everything under the Sun, including Summer's Eve... (laughs) um you know there there's there's a bit of a disparaging uh nature as to whose face you actually know in football but all right so um other notable ones so ryan Tannehill, we kind of already mentioned going back to tennessee um kind of keeps that offense going in the same way that it had been at the tail end of last year although uh You know, from what we've seen from Tannehill, he's had some bright flashes. Even in Miami, just was never truly consistent. Um, The offense is not running through him, but he can be a decent uh, manager. Um, Kirk Cousins' um, contract was restructured in Minnesota. Um, Drew Brees going back to New Orleans, but he's not going to have Bridgewater as his backup. We kind of got to that already. Um, So the um, big notable ones, I guess, that is left on the list... um, Case Keenum and Marcus Mariota moved on to be backup quarterbacks elsewhere. Um, The trade from uh, Jacksonville to Chicago of Nick Nick Foles, uh, Phillip Rivers going to Indianapolis, and Teddy Bridgewater going to Carolina, where all three at some point could be viable starters. Um, Foles may and probably will start the year as the backup, but... Uh, what are your thoughts on any of those?
1: Um, Philip rivers, I would say good job by the Colts. It's only a one year deal. Um, so you don't, you're not really hurting yourself in the future at all. Um, I'm sure they're going to, I would draft another wide receiver if I was them. Um, he's playing against the best offensive line that he's played in again or behind in maybe forever. Um, I guess it's one of those like I guess we'll see if he still has it or not type of things, and if not, he's gone at the end of the year. You get another early draft pick, and away you go. But they did trade their first round pick, so it's yeah, interesting to I, see what they're planning to do.
0: I'd be curious. Uh, their plan is allegedly to keep Brissette, but um, right. I don't know. I I still think they would be better positioned um, on possibly taking a. Uh, project quarterback guy that's not necessarily polished so maybe trading out of that first round pick is not too bad because um you aren't gonna or most of those first round guys you're uh, supposed to start that first year unless you have like the cloud of an andy reed who can sit pat mahomes for a year under alex smith but you know other than the very few situations most of the time the fans are clamoring to see that new guy um You know, I if Brissette had another bad year, could they have done that? No, but now you have the tradable asset. If you end up taking somebody in the second, third round, like a Jacob Eason out of Washington, formerly Georgia, you know, I think that could be a project one where you sit in behind Rivers, see how he does for the year, and um, see how it pans out. Right. So Um, that
1: that would be my – that's my um, two cents about the Colts, at least. I I think they – at least in my opinion, they did well Um, just trying to get another body in there just to see what exactly do we have here.
0: So, well, I think he still has the arm strength. It's whether the decision-making is there. He had a lot of interceptions last year too, but you certainly didn't see like Keenan Allen's value didn't drop. And the targets were still there for Mike Williams and Hunter Henry, if he had had time and Austin Eckler certainly had a fine year. So I think for the Colts as a prospect and fantasy value, uh, most of these guys are not dropping value. If anything, they're probably adding.
1: I would agree with that.
0: So, I mean, you, I'm still kind of a, generally uncomfortable with T.Y. Hilton just because of the injury history. But, um, you know, Zach Pascal, um, Paris Campbell, Jack Doyle, Marlon Mack, I do think all get um, bonus points or get looked at as a little bit higher than they were a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, T.Y. Hilton, win healthy, man. He's something special, but it's the win healthy thing that that worries well, it, you.
0: It, he's more consistent on the health front than somebody like Will Fuller, but the talent is pretty similar. And, you know, I, I think it, you're waiting for those few weeks where he has some of those big games. But Hilton's become a little bit more than a boomer bust guy over the last couple of years where he's actually making more catches. So he's kind of improved and not bad overall for a guy who was originally a fifth round pick. So um, so I will give you the floor on the Teddy Bridgewater analysis and the Nick Foles analysis to begin with, just because, uh, as we mentioned on your team the other day, you have the wide receiver one for Carolina and Chicago. So how are you feeling with those two additions? I
1: don't think that Nick Foles is going to start day one. I think he's there more so for competition to put, um, push Mitchell Trubisky. So I'm not worried about Allen Robinson either way. And did, that's a good point. Did no Allen Robinson didn't play with Nick Foles at all. He was gone by that point, but Nick Foles is a serviceable quarterback. I mean, he won a super bowl, right? So, um, I'm not worried on the Allen Robinson front. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, that one concerns me a little bit more. Um, When the Vikings drafted him all those years ago, I was actually a little concerned about it. I was like, holy crap, the Vikings are getting a pretty good quarterback now. Um, But with that injury, and he he hasn't been the guy, you know, the starter for... Yeah, he started with the Saints and everything for a couple of those games, but... I'm a little more concerned, but not ready to jump off the boat yet because I still think that uh, DJ Moore is going to get his fair share of targets. I think he's the wide receiver one on that team. I see your look on your face. Okay, you go. I'm just going to say this about
0: the Bears and the Vikings. Being a Packer fan. Quarterbacks that go to Chicago or Minnesota are automatically become bad the minute (laughs) they walk through the door. The Bears ruin quarterbacks, and the Minnesota Vikings are where guys go for, like, one to two years, and then they stink. I try not to be
1: biased about it. I try to be level-headed. And he coming out, like, I liked Teddy Bridgewater a lot coming out. Let's just say that. I did. I thought he was a really
0: good, um, polished quarterback. Oh, well, I did too, but then he got kinda hurt and even before that he wasn't like elite or anybody that no. I thought was gonna be huge.
1: No, but, but he's uh, especially with he's some of the hype after he won
0: that huge sugar bowl against Florida that one year. But that being said, like the two ways the Bears win on defense and um not um good but average quarterback play. Like I don't care who it is, they've had a run of guys and the best quarterback that they had was Jay Cutler. I mean, or maybe even Kyle Orton, if you want to really delve into it. The Vikings, on the other hand, have gotten decent quarterback play and have won in a multitude of different ways with high-potent offenses, but it's these quarterbacks that last for like one to two years. The fact that Kirk Cousins is going to be on his third year here uh, is saying something. I mean, Brett Favre lasted a season and a half. Um, before that you had, I think the longest term they had was like, uh, Culpepper was for like five years, but going back to even the late nineties, um, Warren Moon was there for like a year. Randall Cunningham was there for like two years. You had Jeff George fill in Brad Johnson. I mean, Gus freaking for So,
1: as bad as we all think Mitchell Trubisky is Alan Robinson still had an incredible year. Well, and he and had 98 catches with seven touchdowns. You know, I'm I'm not worried about Allen Robinson, and here, not to mention I'm also not worried because he's so far down on my depth chart. He's like wide receiver four, so
0: that's fine. And I, I'll grant you that. Here's my issue: the Bears and the Vikings both got significantly worse on defense. Yep they The Vikings subtracted on offense with um digs. And I don't think Trubisky, outside of being able to be mobile, is any bit of a regular starting quarterback. And here's my other concern. Nick Foles, in anywhere other than Philadelphia, has never played well. Like, he is an abysmal quarterback when he doesn't have that freaking green helmet on. Um, I'm
1: just... I'm not worried about Allen Robinson getting his because somebody's got to get the ball. Even with as bad as the quarterbacks are, someone's got to get the ball. And they're both the wide receiver ones on their team. So they're going to get a fair share of the targets. So I'm not. There was off he of a like
0: bridge. two years ago in that Chicago offense when they were actually playing well with Trubisky. Like I didn't think he was that, uh, was a huge uh, player two years ago. Maybe he does continue to pan out, but I, I just. He's not one that I'm betting on, but like you said, as your fourth guy, that's a really good fourth guy to have. Like I'm but, much more comfortable when he's my fourth guy instead of my second guy.
1: I mean, even so, he almost had a hundred catches, man. He had seven touchdowns. I understand, but that's <laughs> like, last year. Like the three years before that, he was Russell not. What's No, last year. So in 2018, he was coming off of the knee injury cuz 2017 he he had one catch for 17 yards he had the knee injury. Yeah. Last year he was coming off the knee injury or 2 years ago he was coming off the knee injury. Last year was the first year where he was uh, one year back off of the ACL spray and he's back to what he's doing. Like Allen Robinson All right. is underrated, underappreciated and I won't stand for it anymore.
0: <laughs> uh I'm sorry there will be uh, underappreciation just because he's a bear. Listen, At I least, get it. He's as, long, a bear. as long as I am a co-host on this podcast he's and a bear. the primary producer, I, there will be underappreciated bears and Vikings on this on this podcast. I get the it. Okay. people that will be overappreciated will be the Browns and the Lions because I feel bad for how badly those teams have been.
1: I, I agree 100%, but if I was to just tell you the numbers and not have a name attached to it, you would want this guy on his team. You had 154. Oh, oh are,
0: are we doing a blind 100, resume? 154
1: targets. Julio Jones had 157. He had one less catch than Julio Jones. Granted, he had 200 yards less, but he had one more touchdown.
0: All right. That's going to be our special project for next week. We're going to okay. do You you and I will each have a handful of blind resume comparisons and see what the other one comes up with. (laughs) I'm going to sneak
1: Alan Robinson in there, and I know you're going to take him.
0: Okay, you do that.
1: (laughs) Now you go memorize all his stats
0: so you know not to go take him. Oh, no, I don't. (laughs) I mean, I have time to do that. I don't know if I will. I mean, it's still a bear. All right, let's get back into Like, to get back and circle back around, like – Bridgewater played well for New Orleans last year, but like it was with Sean Payton, who right. is about as bankable an offensive uh, mind as you can get in the league. Right. I'm still wondering what would have happened had um, uh, Sean Payton gotten the job instead of Mike McCarthy in Green Bay, like all those years ago. But who knows? And so I, I don't know if the Packers end up having Aaron Rodgers at that point, but. You know, the rest is history. I just know that Bridgewater had by far the shortest um, pass complete or yards per completion of last season. And a lot of it scares me where he's going to end up throwing short or throwing quickly. And that offensive line is either old or bad, and they don't have what they used to. And the commodity of having both uh, an H back in uh, Curtis Samuel and having Uh, McCaffrey there, I do think they're going to be showing uh, or throwing short a lot. They're not going to be going down the field very much. And they're going to be a very limited offense, which, yes, they're not going to take as much of a step back. And no, I don't necessarily downgrade McCaffrey, other than the fact that he's just going to return a little bit more to, like, earth just because he can't have such a meteoric season. I still... I'm not banking on the Panthers as far as uh, draft capital unless they're falling for whatever reason. I just don't feel – my whole draft strategy for years has been who are the teams I think are going to be really good this year and Mm -hmm. I want to jump on their bandwagon regardless of who the player is.
1: I can agree with that. Um, I mean, you look at it at the end of the year. You look on your team after you have a really good year. um, Most of the people on your team are on really, really good teams. Um, but to go back to it, um, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I mean that's my concern with him. Um, you really just don't know. And I think out of everyone on that team, it hurts um, Robbie Anderson more than anybody because he's just straight nine route guy. He's not going to go underneath as much. I, I just I think it hurts him more than anybody.
0: I don't think Robbie Anderson is um, rosterable until we see it. He's right. coming into a completely new offense where he's at best the third option uh, from just the wide receiver core. But you've got Ian Thomas and McCaffrey that are also going to split catches. I'm not even putting him in the answer. I'm saying uh, I don't think Samuel or Moore or um, you know Thomas or some of those other guys should be thought of as highly uh, as some of that. Yes, Moore is still in the kind of that 50-50 range where uh, if he hits it about the same as he was last year, he's kind of on the edge between wide receiver one, wide receiver two territory, but I my feelings are a little bit less on him. Um, also, just from the notion of um, that sustainability and whatever else, do I think McCaffrey's going to have as big a year? No, but am I going to draft him in the, as the number one overall back? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anybody else I mean, if you're, if you're drafting Curtis Samuel above a wide receiver three, you're nuts. Like, he's I, a capable asset if something turns out with that offense. And I do like the fact that Matt Rule has been able to turn around two college programs. But the fact that they basically have given him full uh, authority and range to do whatever the hell he wants... I do find it interesting that Robbie Anderson was his uh, top wide receiver when he was at temple and that he'll want to use him that way. But until I see it, I, I just, I don't buy it. So um, remains to be seen if nothing else. And that whole team is kind of a watchable asset.
1: So yeah, it's wait and see kind of what happens. I'm not really jumping on anybody on that squad until I really know what's going down.
0: All right, so that kind of takes up the quarterbacks. Uh, we're sitting at about 32 minutes so far. Uh, where do you want to go next? Um, Should we take wide receivers so we can get the go. big deal out of the way? Let's go wide receivers. All right, so I am going to give you the floor on the big trade. He's <laughs> one of your top, if not the top player on your roster.
1: He's up there,
0: new copkins. Um. Traded long to term, Long-term dynasty value, it's probably be, be, between him and Elliott as your top player. Yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. Um, and I think this helps uh, Nuke in the long run, getting a, a younger quarterback. Um, he's not that wh- much younger than Watson. I know, I but know. he's still younger. Um, crazy trade, though, right? Like, what the hell is Bill O'Brien thinking?
0: Literally nobody understands what the hell he was doing. Like, it's this weird, um, disciple of Belichick type move. And, uh, if I were a Texans fan, I would have less hair than Bill O'Brien does.
1: Like, it absolutely makes no sense. I get it. He was upset about his contract, but he still, you still controlled him for three
0: years. But, and three years, the like, they ate. None or they're taking on all of David Johnson's contract.
1: The worst. They got a second
0: round pick. The worst contract maybe in all of the NFL. Nobody wants that contract. Yeah. Nobody's paying that for a running back. So I don't understand why they took on the full measure of the deal. And the best you can get back for arguably the number one wide receiver in the league is a second round pick. Really?
1: Especially after like OBJ got first run. First round money or first round um, value trade on him, yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I just,
0: I shake my head. But for fantasy prospects, like both of those guys probably win out in the short term and possibly in the long term. Like David Johnson needed to get out of Arizona. I still think he's a potentially very good um, player. Is he going to ever get to what he was that one year under Arians? No. Hell no. But I think he can be an extremely productive player. He still has great receiving skills and he has the viability. I just think that you could basically call, uh, you take a guy that's getting 25% target share for his team and you take him out of the lineup for a handful of guys that collectively weren't averaging a whole lot of the target share. I don't know where they're going to end up going. Like, Randall Cobb can't stay on the field. Will Fuller can't stay on the field. You know, and um, I don't know what they have in Kenny Stills or Kiki Kuti, but I, I just I, I don't see where the targets are going to end up going. I just don't.
1: Uh, initially, when I first... My first initial thought when seeing the trade was I was a little bummed because I felt like Deshaun and uh, Nuke had a pretty good connection. But the more I'm reading about Kyler Murray and just the more the offense now that they're going to be in, I think um, I don't think this jettison's Nuke Hopkins any higher than he already was because. He's already, like you said, maybe arguably the best wide receiver in the game, but I think it just keeps him right back where he is. I don't think he loses value. I don't think he gains a whole bunch, but I don't think he loses any value at all.
0: No, and it's hard. Like When you're possibly the number one wide receiver in fantasy anyway, you can't really go above that. So like his value is not going to get much higher than it was already. David Johnson probably wins the trade more from a fantasy perspective, just for him personally. Not that he's really even playing fantasy, but the the other thing to watch here is, is the quarterback values. Kyler Murray's stock simply just goes up, and Deshaun Watson's goes down, pure and simple. But yeah. he, he, it's the other periphery of uh, players that are going to go down. So you currently are the, in possession of Christian Kirk. I don't know if he's uh, more than a wide receiver three at this point at best. Larry um, Fitzgerald is not, like, I, I don't even know if he's rosterable going into this next year. Um, David Johnson uh, becomes a higher commodity or at least an asset where, like, the Cardinals were going to have to make some choices about what to do with him and Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake ends up moving up in the boards. Like, I could see Kenyon Drake minimum as a running back, two based yep. on what he did last year. Yeah, And absolutely. he's had some productive value, and in that offense he excelled back to kind of like how he was at that end of that one dolphin season. So like he has a lot higher value in my count, but again, like you have to evaluate Will Fuller higher. Simply put, I, you know, I know the injury history is there and it's going to be a bloomer bust, but just the target share, the targets have to go somewhere. He and Kenny Stills and QT are going to end up. One of those guys has to be the number one, just pure and simple. And so with the target share having to go somewhere and a productive quarterback in Watson, yes, he's not going to be as good fantasy wise because he's losing a huge, uh, viable target. But like some, one of those guys ends up getting graded higher just from volume.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm still not touching anybody
0: on that team though. (laughs) I'd be willing to take a late round flyer on a couple of people. Like if, if this was a redraft situation, I'd be willing to um, entertain like a couple of those guys. Um, I, I would definitely be willing to take a shot on David Johnson. Um, and I don't think Watson loses a whole lot of value dynasty wise because he's still a productive young quarterback who if I'm him, uh, he's going into what his fourth year now. Something so like with, that, yeah. with the fifth team uh, fifth year option, I'm not signing back with the Texans they haven't proven to me that they're really willing to do the things that need to put a productive team on the field for me to be able to win. Like wow. I think that's I think that's one where he Kevin Durant's his ass out of there. Oh, my God. Okay. If that, I, mean... I mean. No, if I'm Deshaun Watson's best friend or I'm him just personally or his manager or whatever else, I say burn the bridge. He will have <laughs> so much opportunity on the open market. Are you kidding me? But I'm not I, I, ever have we ever seen a quarterback like that at that age with that amount of talent and be available. You can't imagine there aren't going to be twenty five teams lining up to get him. I'm not
1: disagreeing with you at all. I just that's that would be drastic. That'd be something to talk
0: about. That's for sure. Uh, again, I think you know one way in which the NFL ends up um, moving itself kind of in that NBA model, and I think a lot of NFL players are looking at. Um, Some of these NBA contracts with, like, James Harden getting nearly, like, what, $60 million a year or some ridiculous number like that. Or Giannis going to potentially sign this Supermax, especially if we don't have another season. So, like, I think some of these guys are looking at it, yeah, if I can hit free agency, you know, the fifth-year option, he's already going to get paid well. And if his shelf life, being a running mobile quarterback that's had two significant knee injuries in his career, one in college, one in the pros, I'd look to cash in and you may not have a huge window of opportunity to win. So maybe you start looking elsewhere if they're going to trade everybody of actual value on the team.
1: It'd be something to see. That's for I, sure. I,
0: I would be clamoring for it. It is <laughs> one of the best potential stories, but I'm, that's an aside. So, Let's, uh, but like, again, it kind of just generally affects some of the other ones. So, um, there's the other big trade at wide receiver, uh, Stefan Diggs moving over to Buffalo. Honestly, I don't think he drops in value at all.
1: Um, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you a little bit, but there's a little bias for me in that. I just, I don't trust the bills. I'm not fully there on Josh Allen yet. Um
0: and Stephon I, I, Diggs
1: used to play in a dome, and now he's is primarily will be outside, and it's cold in Buffalo. And as me as playing a wide receiver, I can tell you, I hated playing in the cold. Absolutely, um, I, know, I think is I, yeah. I think it drops a little bit, um, because I mean he was he was killing it in Minnesota. Uh, if Thielen wasn't there, um, I think he would have been. You know, one of those receivers you talk about, like, holy cow, we got to get as many shares of Stefan Diggs as you can get. Um, now I think it drops a little bit. I-, I just don't see him still projecting up as a young wide receiver. I think he's going to plateau.
0: I, well, first off, what is his plateau? Like, I think he's been in that uh, wide receiver, two wide receiver, one range, kind of in that cut. And I don't think he's necessarily going above that. I think it's a lateral thing. But his value last year, like the first half of the year, he was terrible. Then Thielen got hurt, and he was the primary guy, and they had to throw him in the ball in a running offense. You're getting kind of the same thing out of Buffalo. He's going to be the number one target. You know, John Brown's going to be there, but John Brown was always a good number two, and he was a great asset for me in my office league, but he was never anything more valuable than that. And now he's got actually some more freedom. I actually think John Brown's value... uh, doesn't take a huge hit from this either. Um, The one guy that really benefits is, well, I guess there are a couple. Adam Thielen gets better because just from the volume standpoint in Minnesota. The other one is Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen's value where he has a more reliable target to potentially throw the ball to, and a guy that can extend the field, goes higher. We're going to see
1: what type of quarterback Josh Allen really is too. Um, they, They got him a target now. Um, We're going to see. I could be really wrong on this. I I could be. Um, I just don't know. Like, this is one that I've honestly been thinking a lot about once it happened, because my initial thought when it happened was, ooh, that's not good for him. Um, But I mean, he only he had 63 catches last year on 94 targets. He had 40 catches for over 40 yards. He still had six touchdowns and eleven hundred yards. Like, that's really, really good. I just I don't know. I just don't see it again.
0: The only guys that are getting above six, uh, 60 catches a year and 1,100 yards on a regular basis are basically the top guys in the league. Like, And now he's going to have a wider production value where he's going to be by far the number one target. Um, also, he's leaving a Minnesota offense that's going to be a, on a question mark. Their offensive coordinator moved, and it's now the Cleveland coach. So, like, they're going to go through some level... I know Gary Kubiak was the co-offensive coordinator, whatever they were doing, but he's there for the running game. Like, as far as pass calling and the rest of it, like, how much value Um, is actually there and how they're going to produce that. Is
1: this their their third offensive coordinator in three years?
0: uh, Minimum. Like, what happened was is that um, they had Pat Shermer the year that um, – not Castle –
1: Case Keenum, right?
0: Case Keenum led them to the ski last year. No, they actually hired um uh John D. Filippo, uh the Eagles quarterbacks coach, um, who uh the Eagles were gonna put as their offensive coordinator, but then um Frank Reich was still there. Then Frank Reich got hired by the Colts after Josh McDaniels um didn't take the offer at the last second, went back to the Patriots. So, D. Filippo comes in, and he was in there for, like, 12 games. Then they fired him, and they put in Stefanski. That's what's Stefanski And Stefanski was the um, co-coordinator with Kubiak last year so they could improve their running game, which was why I like Delvin Cook going into the preseason last year because Kubiak runs that Shanahan zone um, stretch concept uh, look, and every time one of those offenses comes in, I don't know what it is about it that they – teach it or whatever else but they seem to be able to find lightning in a bottle with the running game every single time i don't care if it's alfred morris Alandis gary or delvin cook uh
1: let's move on to emmanuel sanders here
0: so and we were kind of talking about this the other day already um i think this was one of our conversation pieces for aaron's team but Um, And I was higher on this when this was initially made just because of the name and the location he was going. But having listened to some of the analysis, um, Emmanuel Sanders is going to have a hard time carving out a role.
1: You're coming with me now,
0: huh? Well, you think about it and that offense, Drew Brees is there's still a high passing offense, but they do actually like to run the ball a lot more than people think. And they have a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. You know, Jared Cook is still there. Um, Latavius Murray, Alvin Kamara are both going to be there. Kamara got, what, 90-some targets last year and 80 catches. Um, And Michael Thomas, by far, was the number one catch and target share in the league. Like, didn't he uh, tie or uh, surpass uh, Marvin Harrison's, like, ridiculous catch record of, like, 141 or whatever it was? Michael Thomas? Yeah, I want to say he had, like, 150 catches last year or something like that, some astronomical number. Like, I don't think Michael Thomas is going to approach that level again. Again, I think he had a a lot of surplus because they were feeding him the ball, like, 15 times a game when Kamara and Breeze were both out. But that being said, like, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, where he was the number one wide receiver in Denver and the number one wide receiver in San Francisco – To me, he's at best a wide receiver six. Whoa. And again, how much of this is based on volume? He also is like, I don't know what the contract length was with the Saints, but how long is Drew Brees? He only signed a two-year deal, going to be with the Saints and be productive. And um, he's going to be behind Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara in just total target share. So his long-term value sinks to the bottom for me.
1: I am not going to be that harsh on Emmanuel Sanders as you are. Um, I think it was a, it's a pretty decent move for him. Um, it'll open up more down the field stuff for him because of who Michael Thomas is. Um, he kept, he gets a lot of yards after the catch and he's quicker than Michael Thomas is too. So I think he'll, um, he'll carve out a role, um, underneath very well. Cause he's a really good route runner. He's one of the best route runners. And I think he only had like one drop last year or something like that before he got hurt. Um, I'm not nearly as down on him as you are, but he's coming off of a really bad injury. I forgot what it was, though, but I know he got hurt, and it was a pretty serious
0: one. Um, And yet he almost caught the touchdown to win the Super Bowl had Garoppolo put a little less on it.
1: He would have been in
0: 49er lore forever and ever and ever, right? It would have been like... um, Or that missed shot at the end of the game is similar to um, frickin' Gordon Hayward missing the... Uh, bank shot at the national championship. Yep, Like, you know, those are ones to be had or um, fourth and goal for the Niners um, losing against Baltimore those years ago, you know, the same situation where they had four downs in the uh, like under five yards to go. It's one of those where it's a weird question mark, but uh, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think he has a high long-term prospect, but you're not no. going to be really able to move him or sell him. No. So his dynasty value is going to be I minimal. See, but yeah, when if you, you hang if you hang on to him, it's for the name and the location. Do well, I think I, he has potential? Yes, but long-term potential beyond this year, I have no idea.
1: No, absolutely. Okay, that's a hundred percent. I agree with you. These next two years, because he signed what a two-year deal, I think, in New yeah. Orleans. These next two years I'm not super low on him. After well, I mean, that I have no idea where the
0: hell what the hell he'll be after that. Like, I believe in Sean Payton. Personally, I don't believe in Drew Brees. Like, as wow. a redraft quarterback going into this next year, like you you think about it. Brees was hurt and he missed like half the season and he was really good the second half of the last year. But part of that questions if he was um, fresher because he just didn't have... He couldn't throw for like seven weeks. Like, his arm didn't fall off. The year before, it looked like his arm fell off because he was just throwing the ball so much. Now, I believe in Sean Payton being able to get the ball out quicker or having shorter routes or whatever else, but Drew Brees is 41. Like, mm-hmm. at some point, father time comes for us all. And Absolutely. I just... If, if you're looking at overall... I think if you're thinking of it just as, oh, Drew Brees, and he was the big number one quarterback, and he's had all these 5,000-yard seasons, and it's Sean Payton, and it's the Saints, and Michael Thomas and uh, Alvin Kamara. No, those two will get theirs. But if you're asking me to say that the Saints are, A, going to be a top five offense, and B, Drew Brees is going to be a a top ten fantasy quarterback, those are bets I would go against.
1: Let's um, move into Melvin Gordon.
0: We got to okay. be running
1: close on time, right?
0: Uh, we're about seven minutes on this part one. I figured we'd end up with at least two parts. You know, <laughs> you and I tend to be long winded, so. Uh,
1: let's go to Melvin Gordon then.
0: Um, I hate it. I
1: absolutely hate this move for him. I hate it for Philip Lindsley. Royce Freeman, basically, you just throw in the garbage can. I don't know why the Broncos did this when there are so many other things that they could have done. Plus you're paying Philip Lindsley as much as you pay the gas station person, and he's super productive. I don't know what Denver was thinking on this move. And I wasn't high on Melvin Gordon to begin with, because he was actually on my team when I first took over and I traded him to Derek, I think. And I don't know if Derek still has him. No, he yeah, I think Derek still has him. But I trade yeah, him Derek, to Derek still has him. Yeah. So um I wasn't high on him before, and now I hate this move. Um, he's another person I wouldn't really touch.
0: I think Even Melvin Gordon's in redraft. a guy with something to prove, and he's still more explosive than most people that are only NFL fans like. I have a soft spot in my heart for Melvin Gordon I just wonder why well, it's not just the Wisconsin connection, but like when I was in my college fantasy days, like I, I loved Melvin Gordon and I drafted him like three years running and he had, I think the highest, um, uh, single fantasy output game in that Nebraska game where he ran for 400 yards in three quarters, like until, um, Lamar Jackson was like putting up huge numbers in that Heisman year. So, um, like I, I will always have a bit of a soft spot. Again, I'm not gonna be super high on this. Melvin Gordon's a running back, too.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would
0: like say I would agree. you're you're the way you're analyzing it, and like the rest of it. Like Melvin Gordon in the NFL has not had a super high efficiency rate. No, he does score a lot of touchdowns. He scores a lot of touchdowns. I think yeah. I think he's going to be a touchdown hog in Denver. And I also think his amount of catches is potentially going to go up. But here's the other thing: the problem with Melvin Gordon has been health. And you know, you're handcuffing Melvin Gordon if you draft him in a redraft with Philip Lindsay just easily. Like I would definitely do that because there's going to be a time at which he's not going to be available this season. So but you're I saying still Derek think- and Danny are going to do another trade? Eh, maybe. <laughs> Maybe Derek get is uh, two picks back for Philip Lindsay or, whatever, oh my or God. Melvin Gordon, excuse me. God. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say the C word in, in this context, but collusion that is. But, but uh, I, I do think it has where um, I, I still think he has a lot of potential there. I don't think he'll be a running back one. One, the Denver offense does not uh, has a lot of talented players um, on the periphery. Like Cortland Sutton is extremely good; he's going to be in an upcoming player. Mm-hmm. Drew Lock played well at the beginning or the end of last year, but I don't know how well he's going to be. No offense going into a second year, you don't know. I like that. Um, I like
1: that though. I like.
0: I like. And I, I think they have some potential. I don't like their oh. offensive line and Mm-mm. forward. Who knows, but. Outside of that, like again, I only think of running backs in terms of two to three years, especially in dynasty value. And Melvin Gordon is going to have value for two years.
1: Two more I, years.
0: That's his contract length. He was two years, sixteen million. So an eight per. He's at the top of the running back market. Um, they're still not going to have to pay Philip Lindsay very much. Nope. So. You know, you're you're getting okay value and he has talent. So can he be a running back too? Like it's still better than half the guys on my in my personal roster. Like I'd rather uh, l- let's just play this uh, or uh, this level out. Um would you rather have Carry on Johnson or Melvin Gordon?
1: Carry on Johnson, i think.
0: Okay. Carry Johnson did have his significant injury last year.
1: Just, I, I think just because he's younger and I think Melvin Gordon's best years are behind him and I think Carry on Johnson will. So have then a I probably know years. where this
0: one's going to go. You'd probably take both Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs above uh, Melvin yes, Gordon. Yes. Yes. Austin yes. Eckler, Melvin Gordon. <sighs>
1: You know, that one's a push. I guess I'd go Melvin Gordon. And I know Austin Eckler had a better year than him last year. But do you, do you
0: really see Austin Eckler doing that again? Do you want me to torture you? Let's hear it. Let's go. Okay. David Johnson or Melvin Gordon?
1: Oh. Um, I'd pass. I'd forfeit the pick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about this? Melvin Gordon or Le'Veon Bell?
1: Man, that one's really close, too.
0: I, I, these are actually
1: really, really good questions. Like, without diving is, into their stats and everything the like that. running back
0: to market. Like, right. obviously, you're taking the, like, five or six guys that are elite ahead of all of these other guys of that course. I'm yeah. You mm-hmm. know, McCaffrey, Kamara, Barkley, um, Aaron Jones, Elliott. You know, there's a handful of them. Um, but these are the guys with some questions. Like, Derrick Henry's in that running back one slot, but... Um, outside of that, like, Leonard Fournette or Melvin Gordon for the next two years?
1: Hey, Melvin Gordon still had
0: eight touchdowns last year.
1: I know. He s- still had 600 yards.
0: Like, his efficiency was not high, but he's gonna get touchdowns. Like, yeah,
1: he's gonna score touchdowns. That's what he does. He scores touchdowns.
0: Death, Leonard um, taxes and Melvin Gordon scoring touchdowns.
1: I think Leonard Fournette has a really big year this upcoming year. <sighs>
0: boy he's one where i feel uneasy because i i don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be like i liked gardner Minshew as a story but as a full-time starter <laughs> am i banking my franchise on that and i'm not Jacksonville basically overhauling their team for one i'm taking probably somebody like lady on bell or david johnson for multiple-year value, I think I like Fournette just because he's younger right. and has mm-hmm. a little bit more, but he's also got an injury history, so I don't know. But those, those are all bigger question marks. Mm-hmm. So uh, other guys with newer teams, um, I – you know, Kenyon Drake, going back to Arizona, we already talked about it. Um, mm-hmm. Jordan Howard's going to be the number one back in Miami, but I – Without his catching value, I don't see him as more than a running back three at his peak right now. Um, You agree, disagree on that one?
1: I'm not going to really be touching him. That's for sure. Jordan Howard, he had that one really good year in Chicago, and by really good, I mean he had that one pretty decent year. Um, But, yeah, I no,
0: I'm not huge on him. So we will cap it here. Uh, The next ones for part two of this are going to end up being Todd Gurley and AJ Green um, going into that. And then we'll start off with tight ends. Sound good?
1: Sounds great.
0: All right. Uh, We'll hit the break here for everybody and uh, see you on the other side. And that is your dagger. Dagger. That's all for this week. And please uh, make sure to rate, subscribe, and review the new podcast on the Tom Duncan Network, as it's currently being called. Um, That'll help everybody else find the podcast and that uh, we continue to help uh, provide you winning opportunities on your fantasy teams, hopefully get you interested in this new type of uh, fantasy football. Uh, Until next time, thanks and have a great evening.